Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. chess how about musicals about chess how about new wave meets hip-hop songs from musicals about chess you don't really need to answer that regardless our patreon voted for it so we're diving into the hit 1985 single from english actor murray head one night in bangkok does this song make these hard men humble Stay tuned to find out if it leaves us in despair or ecstasy. Time flies, doesn't seem a minute since the Tyrolean spa had the chess bars in it. All change, don't you know that when you play at this level, there's no ordinary venue. It's Iceland. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. Live off royalties forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So, Matt, you're spending one night in Greensburg. Actually, two nights in Greensburg recording episodes of One Hit Thunder. And we are here now to talk about One Night in Bangkok, a song that you somehow missed. I did, but the Patreon didn't, so they yeah. voted for this. They made this happen. I'm very surprised you missed this song. This song is quintessentially 80s, and it's just one another one of those songs that just, I don't know. I feel like I've heard a million times in my life, and it's very, uh, but I really didn't know anything about it. I was really surprised to learn that this was actually a song from a, was it a movie or a play called Chess? So here's the full thing. I did okay. all this research on this. Okay. So it is a song from a musical called Chess, okay. which featured music from Bjorn and Benny of the band ABBA. Okay. And the lyrics were written by Tim Rice. So Tim Rice is a name that probably doesn't mean too much to you. Um, but Tim Rice, the second I saw that name, I said, oh shit, Tim Rice. Because Tim Rice uh, you know, wrote 
quite a few things for musical theater. Probably his most famous stuff was like Joseph and the Amazing, Technicolor, Dreamcoat, and Jesus Christ Superstar, and Evita. Okay. But the much bigger thing that happened for him was that he's another one of those dudes who got co-opted by Disney. So when Howard Ashman died, he was the person who started working with Alan Menken. So he wrote the lyrics for Aladdin. He wrote the lyrics for The Lion King along with Elton John. Um, And then he then took over doing the Broadway stage show stuff for the Beauty and the Beast show, the Lion King show. He did a, a new version of Wizard of Oz in 2011. And one that jumped out at me uh, in 1996, he wrote He Cliff the Musical based on the book character, not the orange cat. Yes, but right. I, I got really <laughs> I excited. Assume. I was like, if there was, look, there's a lot of Charlie Brown and Snoopy based musicals. So anything's is that, possible. Yeah, that's a thing. How is that a thing? I don't know. There's fun fact. We're going to get into Muppets. We haven't, I haven't gone on a Muppets tangent in a while, but one of Jim Henson's absolute favorite songs is a song from the musical Snoopy called just one person <laughs> so there's a musical called snoopy so if you go see it is someone dressed as like charlie brown like that i literally have no clue i just know that it's from a musical called snoopy i never even bothered to look up photos i should i'll, I'll do that right now is actually. someone dressed in like a big snoopy costume like a mascot style I, i'm very confused about that let's see snoopy the musical let's see images oh dear lord <laughs> so so this is a kid's production of it that came up picture wise but it appears that yes they dress in clothes that match the characters but if you can see sitting on top of the house is just (laughs) a kid in a stylish all white suit with a single black bow tie and i love the woodstock kid in the corner (laughs) in this hideous yellow feathered outfit wow okay wow oh wow okay so anyway about chess. So this musical chess, it's the story of a politically driven Cold War era chess tournament between an American and a Soviet Union grandmaster. Sure. To make things more complicated, they're fighting over a woman, the woman who manages one of them, but has fallen in love with the other. So is it a situation where the woman's like, I'll honor the result of the chess match? (laughs) I didn't get that far. Uh, While... It's not based on any facts or real events or any individuals. They did say that Murray Head's character, because he plays the American in it, uh, was mildly inspired by Bobby Fischer. Okay, so Murray Head's just an an actor, like a a theater actor. Yes, he's just a theater actor. So similar to Tim Rice's previous film, uh, musical productions, Jesus Christ Superstar and Evita, they recorded a concept album of the music that they put out in advance to raise money for the show. So the album came out in 1984 and the show wouldn't debut until 1986 in London's West End where it ran for three years. Wow. So you're saying that this song became a hit, which then funded the musical? Funded the musical. Wow. In fact, what we're watching was released in 1985. They shot music videos for One Night at Bangkok, Nobody's Side, uh, I Know Him So Well and Pity the Child and then compiled them into a VHS tape called Chess Moves to help fund it. And then I think no one anticipated that this song would climb all the way to number three on the Hot 100. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I feel like it just sounds like a hit. I mean, it is weird how it's almost like a... It's almost like a rap that he yeah, does. It's, it's a white guy rapping video. Yeah. 
do you want to hear what else was in the top five when this thing uh but what year is this this is 1985 85 oh i wasn't born yet i had a couple more months wow you're gonna make fun of me because i can never remember how to pronounce this oh here we go wildly popular female vocalist's name uh, smooth, uh, smooth operator. Sade. 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 Yeah. Uh, number four was Everything She Wants by Wham. Oh, okay. Then this was number three. Number two, Crazy For You by Madonna. Oh, that is one of the best Madonna songs. And number one, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Ooh, Me. Pretty stacked lineup there. Yeah, he's really competing with some... Um, I mean, Simple Minds were maybe a little more, you know. They're like, that's a big song. And then they had they had some like minor hits along the way. But that's that's the song. They they're of all of the artists I just named. They're the only one that could even potentially maybe be on a one hit thunder. episode. Sure. Uh, the rest are. Yeah. Top notch. Yeah. Artists we're, not doing of a Madonna. we're not doing a Madonna one hit thunder anytime yeah. soon. No, no. Nor wham. No. <laughs> Nope. So there was something else that I thought was really interesting. So like I said, this opened in the London's West End in 1986. It ran for three years. Okay. Then it came to Broadway in 1988, and it ran for two months. <laughs> and okay. then it was done. You know... So it didn't translate over here, but ha- somehow the BBC radio listeners in a poll voted Chess the seventh most essential musical. You know... For me, I shouldn't say this, but like chess is just such an uninteresting topic. And I say that as a guy who watched that Queen's Gambit. Queen Queen yeah, Queen's Gambit and kind of liked it. Yeah. You know, but but if I hear something is about chess, I'm not like, oh damn. Oh sweet. I gotta me, see that chess. I gotta see that chess musical. <laughs> so I went on a crazy tangent that has nothing to do with any of this in my research. But when I was reading about how short-lived this was on Broadway, it made me think of this infamous musical, Merrily We Roll Along. Have you heard of this musical before? No. Okay. So it tells the story of three friends and their lives and friendships as they change over 20 years. It primarily focuses on Franklin, a talented composer of musicals, who over 20 years abandons all of his friends and his songwriting career to become a producer in Hollywood, making movies. Like the play that the show was originally based on, the story actually moves backwards in time, beginning in 1967, where the friends are all at their lowest moment and ending in 1957, uh, when they're at their youthful best. The show closed after 16 performances (laughs) and featured a young Jason Alexander as one of the stars. The reason why I know about this musical is twofold. In 2016, one of the cast members pulled together all of their footage from the rehearsals and made an award-winning documentary called The Best Worst Thing That Could Have Ever Happened about their miserable experience making this musical, believing it could be something huge, and then immediately finding out like a month, less than a month later that it was a failure. Because of how popular that documentary is, Blumhouse bought the rights to the musical, and they hired Richard Linklater to shoot a film version which he started filming in 2019. Now, I don't know if the pandemic affected this, but his plan is to shoot it the same way he shot Boyhood, not over 20 years, because that would be crazy, but they're going to do it over 10 years, starring Ben Platt and Beanie Feldstein um, from uh, Booksmart. Okay. But yeah, that's expected to come out in 2026. Hopefully, we'll still be doing One Hit Thunder at that time. And oh, we can... I'm sure we will. But uh, I just was like, okay, let's. if we're going to have to talk about a song that's kind of not on a true album by a true artist, but part of a musical 
and a failed musical in the U.S. at that, I wanted to briefly talk about one of the biggest musical flops. Sure. And it's, it is really interesting, this song. I guess I didn't pay... If I had paid any attention to the lyrics at all, I would maybe know that this was a song that involved chess in some way. There is mention of it uh, in the verses, of course. But the thing I just remember, though, one night in Bangkok makes a wood your oyster, which I just found was was world. It makes the world your oyster. I think I always thought it was something else. I'm not sure what I thought it was, but that is the memorable part. And yeah, then, and then it's just more like ba 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 da 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 da. You know what it actually reminds me of in a weird way, and and almost in no real way, but I think you'll understand what I mean. The video and the way it's sung and the music gives me a real taco putting on the ritz yep. kind of vibe. I can, I definitely <laughs> definitely hear that. Yeah, like it's like I mean he's not really rapping in there; he's just singing the song. But it's like right. It's a very Murray Murray heads making some interesting choices on the delivery of this song. Oh, some parts I can't believe. I mean, it makes a, l- a lot more sense that it's from a, a musical because I I think sometimes melodically and the, uh, in a musical, especially if you're trying to really tell a story, sometimes you got to force some lyrics in. You know what I mean by that? Like if you're just writing a song. I don't know. This is me anyway. I, I I definitely know some people just do it anyway. But if they really love these lyrics, even if they don't necessarily fit too well, some people will force the lyrics in there just because they feel like the lyrics are really necessary. In a musical, I think that happens all the time. Yeah. Because you're really trying to tell a story and you can't keep it. Sometimes you can't keep it super vague. And there's definitely like a story being told here. And there's definitely parts where I'm like, what, what he really like forced that in in there and and it doesn't really flow or make sense to me but it's fine because it's just like spoken word i guess uh there's mention of yul brenner in the first uh verse that's like one of those names that i've always heard and didn't really know who he was yeah let's find before. out who the fuck yul brenner, yul brenner is. you know you that's a name you've heard a million times right? yeah that's what i mean i've heard this name but i i in, also see in the King and I, or something like that. He was a Russian-born actor. Yes. Yeah. And what was he uh, in? in The King and I, in Roger Hammerstein's stage play, The King and I. The, I feel like I'm, you know, plays and musicals are something that I am very ignorant of. <laughs> I very, I very much do not know much about. I, the the most I know is I saw Hamilton. <laughs> I went and saw Hamilton, and you know, I thought it was okay. I. I will admit I fell asleep <laughs> in, I, in the theater. It was hot in there. And, you know, I saw it on Broadway and I was like falling asleep during it. Yeah, Yul Brenner was also, I knew I knew this name from somewhere else. He was the uh, original villain in the movie, the 70s movie Westworld. Oh, okay. Well, I never saw it, but. And he was the he was the evil gunslinger in the Western world where Westworld comes from. And there he is. Looking like an evil robot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense if they're talking about the Soviet Union. Here's a Russian Russian actor. Yeah, in he a actually, show with everything but Yul Brenner. And he actually died six months after the song came out. Oh, no. Yep. The song killed him. Yep, maybe. Time flies doesn't seem a minute. I mean, this is literally, I feel like in the world of musicals, this isn't really setting a plot or scene for me, though. It's just describing stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it's straight up telling the story. It's it. It seems to me like all the verses are kind of like a blatant narrator being like, "Step right up and hear the story of what's going to happen in this musical." Yeah, you know? but the weird part is that let me double check, but I'm pretty sure that this was Act Two, like this yeah, kicked yeah. off Act Two. That makes sense. Ba- Bangkok Oriental setting, and the city don't know that this what the city is getting. The creme yeah. de la creme of the chess world in a show with everything but Yul Brenner. I want to just show you uh, a visual real quick of the difference between how many songs were in Act One versus Act Two, real quick. Uh, so let me turn this screen around, and you can see Act One on the right hand side and Act Two on the left hand side. There's just two acts. Yeah, that's most musicals. They really? do an intermission in the middle. Okay. I think of three acts being like the standard. That's like a movie, a okay. script they tell you do three acts. Okay. But a musical, it's more like, hey, we got to give you guys like a 20 minute breather because you've been sitting in these very tight, uncomfortable seats yeah. here in Broadway. Right. And boy, do you need to stretch your you legs. You ever go to a Broadway musical? I've only seen Hamilton. In, in Broadway? That, that was the only Broadway show I went to. We didn't get the main cast. It was like. Yeah, I don't know if it, what cast it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I mean, we didn't get like the Lin Manuel. No, I, I didn't have yeah, Lin- yeah. I didn't have Lin Manuel yeah. either. It was interesting. So we saw it February of 2020, and boy, did we not know what was coming around the corner at oh, that wow. point. But we saw it February of 2020, and then you know during the pandemic on Disney Plus, they released the version that they had shot that was originally going to be put out in theaters, and then they just put it on Disney Plus. And that was shot as like one of the last. That was like one of the last live performances of like the main original cast where you had like Lin-Manuel and like the uh, Diva uh, Diggs from Clipping and like all of those like well-established people. And something that we noticed when we were watching it was that a lot of the backup dancers in the one on Disney Plus uh-huh. were people that were main characters uh, right. in the show that we saw. So right, like they right. were like understudies, understudies doing yeah. the dances in the background. I, I, I think I was just laughing at myself. This is completely unrelated is that you said we saw it. And I was thinking to myself that you started referring to yourself in the, the Royal we, in the Royal we. Yes. <laughs> I went by myself to see Hamilton alone. We saw, <laughs> I think that's really, really funny. I always try to start referring to myself in the Royal we. <laughs> You absolutely should. (laughs) Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. 
Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. You've been lost in the woods for hours now stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Man, let me see something else here. There is the full soundtrack that this album is on runs 93 minutes. Yeah. Dear Lord, there are some long songs in this musical. I I, kind of don't know how I feel about musicals in general. I kind of like like a song or two from Wicked. You know, like Defying Gravity. I mean, Defying Gravity is a masterpiece. Yeah, that song's Gonna Be Popular is a really fine Mm -hmm. song um i'm i mean i'm definitely more of a musical person than you are but i i feel like i'm i'm in this weird category where i am more of a musical fan than most people who aren't musical fans but i am not nearly enough of a musical fan for like hardcore musical people i can't imagine like i think musicals are just fine i'm not like a hater necessarily but i can't imagine not that I've been in this situation too too much, but I can someone that was super into musicals, I probably would find that to be the, like the most annoying thing ever. So, so I thought about this when that Hamilton thing was released on Disney Plus because I was like, this is really well shot. Like, I feel like I'm in a front row seat of this performance. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more musicals than I do, but I can't justify like the 80 to a hundred dollars it'll cost if not more i would think it's way more than that you know what i mean like here i'll see let me see what broadway tickets are right now but my point being like if you offered a service where yeah so uh, it says broadway tickets could range anywhere from 20 dollars to 145 <laughs> but yeah. if you offered me like hey you can pay 145 dollars to come all the way up to new york and sit in an uncomfortable chair for 140 dollars or for fifty dollars, here's like a live stream drone shot <laughs> thing, a la Hamilton. I'd be willing to pay the fifty dollars for a musical that I was interested in enough. Like I want to maybe see the Beetlejuice thing because I'm told that it's like the set design is amazing. Mm-hmm. Or like I always wanted to see like this show be more chill that didn't last very long. And you know, Dear Evan Hansen, like there's shows that I'm interested in, but. It's like as soon as I hear about them, it's because they're already becoming popular, which means that like suddenly the ticket prices have jumped to the three, four hundred dollar range. And I just can't justify spending that much money for an hour and a half of entertainment. Gotcha. Well, are you sure you never heard this? Like this doesn't even sound familiar to you. This this doesn't this does not sound familiar to me. And I'm wondering if it's because maybe like the songs 
I, I don't know. Would, would you consider this an endearing classic over the last 40 years or whatever? Yeah, like... I'm really surprised that you like. Where would I hear this? Would this be like when I'm walking through the grocery store? Would this be like on sure? The... Okay, I think that it's not like when we were getting ready to do this episode. It wasn't like I was like, man, I haven't heard that song since I was a kid. No, I've heard this. It feels like an '80s staple to me. I, I right? don't know. You you brought up Taco putting on the Ritz the other day. Yeah. I, I think I hear I've heard this song way more than I've heard Taco putting on the Ritz. Yeah, I don't know. I, I this Strange. song has this song has evaded me for my entire life till this second. Now listen, I've heard it four times in the last thirty minutes, and I I'm I'm digging it. Are you? I don't dislike it. I'm not even gonna lie. I made you pull up that Canadian pop stars oh, version yeah. of it, Roby. But I feel like I don't think she's necessarily good, but. I think it works as a dance pop song. Like, I think that not having it be a guy doing a like, ha, like, nah, see, ringmaster voice, like, actually works. I, I think it already sounds like a dance, like a song you would dance to. I don't know, like, why they need to make a different version. Well, I think she was just trying to ride the momentum of the song. Right. <laughs> but unsuccessfully. Like, she did well on the dance charts, but on the Hot 100, she peaked out at 76. Okay. So, so I don't think it... Uh, Roby did not really uh, blow up in the States, I don't think. I mean, the fact that this is from a musical, I guess, is cool, but I would have thought it was way cooler if it wasn't from a musical. Just or, some random dude song, yeah. Or if they said... <laughs> this is from a fake musical we made up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are people I I bet that there are people who have absolutely written songs for a completely fake musical that they made up. Well, isn't everything for a fake musical until someone actually makes the musical? Don't, That's don't true. Don't you kind of have to make I guess you don't have to make I guess you can make the concept then make the songs. But do you think I'm sure it's a thing that a song exists or then that song has a concept or the song is great and someone's like, we want to base a musical around that song. So what do you think about, are you familiar with the phrase jukebox musicals? So would that, I no, but I would guess, do you mean that that's a musical based around a, and they take already existing songs and then make yes. a story? Yeah. So that's like a rock of ages, a mama mia. Mm, right. Blah, blah, blah. Do you think you vibe more with a jukebox musical or Ooh. like an authentic, like someone wrote it from scratch with the intentions of it being a storyline? Well, I probably, the jukebox musical is probably a lot more accessible. It's probably going to, for any of us, uh, you know, non-musical heads, yeah. it's, it's probably going to be a little more appealing. Um, you know who I always thought would make for a great jukebox music? So here's, so there was... You know, there was the Mamma Mia one based on all ABBA songs. Uh, I don't think it succeeded very long, but there was Moving Out that was based on all uh, Billy Joel, Joel songs. Yeah. You know what artist I truly believed had all it took to be a phenomenal uh, jukebox musical? What's that? I think that you could do a jukebox musical with all of Ben Fold's music. Sure. Cause he especially because he calls out a lot of the same characters mm. throughout the songs. Like right. you know, Mr. Jones on Yeah Rock in the Suburbs is mentioned in the song Cigarette. Right. It's like the, I feel like the pieces are already there. Right. And you could just piece them together. That's Maybe it. that's our next project. That seems like something he, he he'll probably do eventually. Eventually. I'm looking at so I'm looking at a list of uh jukebox musicals. Um, like I said, Mamma Mia. So in the two thousand it really popped off in the two thousands. There was We Will Rock You. Uh, which was based on the music of Queen. 
I can't believe that this band got their own jukebox musical, but Madness got their own jukebox oh, wow. musical with Our House. Oh, I love that song. Tonight's the Night. What's that? An all Rod Stewart jukebox Whoa. musical. Uh, scrolling through here. Uh, Good Vibrations, all Beach Boys, all shook up. Uh, Jersey Boys, obviously, is a Frankie Valley oh, okay. jukebox musical. Right. There's an Earth, Wind, and Fire one called Hot Feet. Wow. Okay. <laughs> There's There are more in here than I thought. Dear Lord, the Dresden Dolls got their own jukebox Whoa. musical. The Onion Cellar. That's wild. This is, the Proclaimers got their own jukebox Oh, musical. man. They're giving them to anybody. I mean, obviously, Green Day is a pretty big one sure. with American Idiot, but that's be more that the album itself became a musical. Whitney Houston with The Bodyguard, that that's that played up. Spice Girls got a jukebox musical. The Violent, Fe- or Violent Femmes, Flaming <laughs> Lips uh, got one. Tupac Shakur got one. Holler if you hear me. Nice. <laughs> man. I cannot believe how many of these they were shitting out in the in the last like five years. Ooh, bad out of hell the musical. I kind of oh, this is the big one that people have been talking about. Um, Jagged Little Pill. Oh. Someone did a whole all just based on the songs from the Jagged Little Pill album. Wow. Um, apparently it's quite good. I think it'd be really fun if, as the artist, you. I mean, could you imagine? If you're the artist, you had nothing to do with the musical. You just went and saw it. It was just someone came up with a story based on your songs and you got to go see it like on Broadway. How cool that would be. Yeah. No, that would be amazing. Right now, uh, the newest one out there, there's two that came out in 2022. MJ the Musical. Okay. And the Osmonds. Okay. I don't really know too much Osmonds. I don't either. I'm like, why why are these people getting musicals? (laughs) God damn it. All right. And then, I mean, jukebox musicals actually technically date as far back as the 40s uh, with the film versions. Um, stuff like Singing in the Rain was like based on pre-existing songs that they would then work into being in a musical. But chess, not a jukebox musical. That is mm. fresh ideas yep. coming from ABBA and Tim Rice. And I feel like as soon as I read that that music was created by the guys who made ABBA, I was like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's got that ABBA bounce to it like it doesn't sound like a specific abba song but i'm like i could i could see i could see the world where like songs like mama mia lead to to that type of like bassy bump yeah i think it i think abba's pretty over the top i think this song's pretty over the top this is theatrical this is like my definition if someone's like play me an over the top song from the 80s i think one night in bangkok is going to be pretty high on my list yeah yeah it's it's a lot (laughs) for sure (laughs) yeah they're asking a lot from the audience on it but that's fine and you and i spent some time watching some what little youtubes we could find of murray head songs which there was the pity the child for also from this and then he had something some kind of song we watched him play acoustic i it was nothing that i real was really ever be interested in watching again no, no. but it was something yeah he was he was an actor is that what you're saying i i believe he was a stage show actor because it said that he technically had like i don't call it a hit but it was like he's bet like if you go on his wikipedia page it says as a musician, he's most recognized for his international hit songs, Superstar from Jesus Christ Superstar and One Night in Bangkok from the musical Chess. So like, so he does have a bunch of albums that are out, including Say It Ain't So. As, as Say one It Ain't we So, Joe, to. yeah. Yeah, we heard a couple songs from that. Um, so he's released albums. 
Were you a fan of the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Uh, no, I never watched it. Okay, never mind that. <laughs> um, he's he's the younger brother of Anthony Stewart Head. Oh wait, you know this. He's Rupert from Ted Lasso, the ex-husband. Oh, that's Murphy Head's older brother. Oh, like the real rich guy? Yeah. Wait, that's Murray Head's brother? older brother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's he was uh, a little bit more of an established. Uh, actor in film because he blew up on Buffy. He was one of the main characters on the show Buffy. His brother was. His brother was. Yeah. Okay. Murray had not so much, but his brother, I I don't, I just didn't, something didn't click in my brain at first when I saw that name. Because even kind of now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, he kind of looks like his brother a little bit. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. He was for in the 90s, he played Dr. Frankenfurter on the Rocky Horror Picture Show stage show. Uh, but yeah, not much, not much going on uh, beyond Murphy Head, Murphy Head, Murphy Jesus, Head. Just, Murray Head, just like releasing albums that it doesn't seem like anyone ever really bought, and uh, showing up in some movies that don't have hyperlinks anywhere. On uh, he's in a bunch of like this is his TV appearances on Wikipedia. Yeah, like we're, we're looking at a at a page with no hyperlinks to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think he ever really broke into the mainstream beyond this weird little song and a couple a couple random mm-hmm. stage shows. So it's it's pretty hard to to judge Murray Head, especially even this song. It's like okay, these a bunch of other people wrote it. He doesn't sing the chorus, right? It's not him singing the chorus, I don't think. No, it? it's other singers singing the chorus. Technically... How did he even get credit for this? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Uh, I mean, technically, if we're going to get like really weird, we could be like, well, he's technically not a one-hit wonder because Superstar from Jesus Christ Superstar somehow hit 14 on the Billboard Whoa. 100. His uh, version of it? Yeah, his version of it from the same thing that they did with this, they did for Jesus Christ Superstar. They released an album a year ahead of the musical to try to raise money for the musical. Wow. Which is a wild thing to think about. Like, well, that is, I mean, it's interesting, but like, you're really trying to, it's interesting that you're trying to get people to pay for something without any context. But if the songs stand on their own, like this song stood on its own. I guess so. I mean, I get, so there's been I, I mentioned it earlier that um Be More Chill was like a, a musical that was so briefly on Broadway, but I really, really, really wanted to uh check it out. I, I wanted to see it live, but I didn't have a chance because it played for like a month. So what I ended up having to do was I would listen to the soundtrack and read the Wikipedia page <laughs> telling me the plot and it, in the points of the plot it would put in parentheses where the next song showed up. So I'd read up to that point and then listen to the song. Wow. And then do that just to figure out what the hell the show is about because like the songs out of context they're they're catchy and good, mm-hmm. but it doesn't fully tell you the story really. <laughs> so like That's dedication to Well, like Hamilton's an outlier because it's not really a musical, it's a hip opera. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> But what I mean is like an opera there's no dialogue. Like an opera right. it's just it's music from front to back so the music has to tell the story. Whereas a musical, you could have 20 minutes of dialogue before right. the next song. So it's like, if you don't have the context of what leads from yeah. track six to track seven, you're like, what the fuck is happening in this yeah. show? Yeah, I get that. Yep. All right, man. Well, This Mar- is going to be a hard one to rank, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, there's not even anything to, to go on here. Like I, I if, so you're telling me Murray had wrote none of the lyrics here. This Murray was, had had nothing to do with any of this, but he showed up to sing and he didn't sing. He just like talked. He, he weird. spoke rapped. Yeah. He, he like talked weird. Yeah. I mean, I would say Murray had, sorry, Murray, if you're listening, I mean, I'm sure you're a good guy and the song is cool. I just think that, you know, the fact that Murray's head is even listed as the artist who's, I mean, am I wrong? Is he maybe singing that chorus? No, I think that's the, I think it's backup vocals okay. on that. And then, and if Tim Rice and these people from ABBA wrote it, and I mean, I kind of feel like Murray Head's lucky that <laughs> he's credited as the artist on this. He's kind of just, you know. The, I mean, I will say that that's pretty typical. Like if you go, let's say you go to listen to the Wicket soundtrack on wicked on spotify or whatever like it's not gonna say under the artist who wrote the musical it'll say whoever the performer is that's singing that particular a little bit difference when it's uh, what's her name adina is that yeah adina mazel and singing defying gravity where it's like this knock you off your feet performance where actually her performance of it is what makes it so good i mean i'm sure i'm sure the song would be good regardless but her performance of it is makes it yeah. right uh so i think that's a little bit different murray had kind of talking wacky yeah, he just one. lucked out he stumbled into it he yeah. lucked out and so i gotta i gotta i, I hate to say it but i kind of get to give murray head the blunder stamp on this one uh, i think i'm gonna join you on that yeah i mean i think the song's weird and interesting yeah the song's cool but we clicked into a bunch of other stuff and there was absolutely nothing that was hooking me at all Oh no 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 so uh i think i think i'm all right saying blender on this i'm one. not gonna say that uh, that i'll be listening to pity the child anytime soon no i don't think i'm gonna be diving into say it ain't so joe nope sorry so. murray You're a wild card, your candlelight in my ship. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Be Right There. Be sure to check out punchlion.com for any upcoming news with the band. Our podcast is on Patreon now. Find us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for early access to episodes, bonus episodes, and a chance to vote on future songs for us to cover. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on any podcasting app and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. Hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. 
Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.